funded by the Arts Council. Hello. Hi, welcome to Bad Vibes Club. How you doing? Thanks for tuning in. Today we've got Sarah Bayliss. Sarah's a wonderful artist who up until recently I shared a gallery with, Space In Between. Uh, Space In Between is now sadly closed. Um, and that's what we talk about. We talk about Sarah's solo show at Space In Between, which is called The Dithering, and that was open over summer. We also talk about her collaboration with three other artists called Playgroundless, um, <laughs> we start the podcast talking about her doppelganger, who is also an artist on the internet called Sarah Bayliss, who paints cows. Sarah's got a few things coming up. Uh, Playgroundless, her collaboration, have been invited by Hemera Collective to take part in Photo 50 at London Art Fair in January. And Sarah's making some new work for a group show at W139 um, that's happening in Amsterdam in May 2018. And at the moment... Um, uh, someone she works with called Alfonso Borrigan, um, who you'll hear her talk about in the podcast, uh, has an exhibition at Pogon Gallery in Zagreb, and she co-wrote the voiceover with him for the sound piece that's there. So I hope you enjoy the podcast. We start with a weird story about the appearance of productivity, prompted by Sarah telling me that I, I appeared to be busy all the time. Well, I'm productive, but I think that's because it's like pathological... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So as long as I do one thing every day that like yeah. feels like a finished product. I was talking to my mum about, uh, I remember this thing where I came third in a colouring in competition because I'd done yeah. every single <laughs> brick in like the Humpty Dumpty wall yeah. a different colour. But my So I was like, isn't that funny? Because I think they basically thought I had special needs. Cause, <laughs> and my mum was like, yeah, but do you also remember you just stopped like halfway through you were just like I don't want to do it anymore I don't want to do the sky because the sky was quite big oh, I didn't want to do the sky it was too like boring so that's I think that's a defining feature of my life like I'm willing to do lots <laughs> of tiny blocks. jobs yeah but I'm not willing to like fill in the sky at the end whereas I'm the opposite I just want to do the big thing and not yeah. do any of the building blocks and then yeah. like oh, why is it not happening and it's because <laughs> I haven't done any of the actual work well I, yeah I guess I get a lot of have you ever worked in like an office job or? No. I'm very glad I don't have to do that anymore. But as an artist, you still have to do lots of admin. It's total admin job. Yeah. yeah. And I, I still get that like false satisfaction of emails. Yeah. Of like doing, you know, like. Of organising. Yeah. You're an organiser. Like, well, I just, I like to clear my emails. I like yeah. to, not that I like admin, but the satisfaction you get is like this tiny little. It's nice to be on hit. top of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I just use, yeah, I normally just do like a morning or something. Like I try and have a day where I just do all the boring stuff. Do it all in one go. Yeah. yeah. I try, um, this is like bullshit productivity stuff, but I, I try not to emails before like 11 o'clock now. Oh, that's so good. Because I, do... I normally get straight into it, like even when I'm still in bed sometimes. Oh, really? <laughs> that feels terrible to me. <laughs> I quite like it because then I'm like, oh, I'm kind of like sitting in bed. But it's okay because I'm working. <laughs> I'm like relaxing. Yeah. Although, hey, I found it. Uh, I was trying to Google you this morning. For some reason, it wasn't coming up. Oh my God. Don't tell me you found bloody cow painting woman. <laughs> Everyone, she's the best. Everyone, why does she have to have like Sarah Bay Louise? Is it? Isn't she also Sarah Louise Bayless as well? Which is no, like she's, she's Sarah Bayless Fine Art And for some reason, actually, but her Google is so good because I cannot yeah. beat her. Like, what's I've tried. that called when you? It's like optimize. Yeah, I've tried e it. SEO search engine. I've optimization. tried it. 
But you, maybe you, I mean, maybe you should start doing pictures of cows. Well, basically, people think that I do. And like, I once <laughs> sent off a publication, which was like this really abstract publication that I did with Playgroundless. Totally like experimental, like writing and weird images and stuff. And I sent it off and it was all like cut up. So you could like yeah. change the pages and stuff. You couldn't read it in an order. And and, and then they, they found out, they were like, oh, we've been on your website and you do really interesting work. Um are you based in Dorset or something? And I was like, no, like, ca- like, can't you tell from the publication that I've sent you that it's like totally not me? You know what I mean? Like, there's not any watercolors in there. Like, I'm really into like concrete poetry yeah. and like artist publications, and also paintings of cows. And paintings of cows. I'm gonna give this. She's got such a bloody monopoly on my she name. She has. Do you think? A lot, I mean, your your website's really nicely designed. Do you think about that stuff a lot? No, I always think that I'm really bad at it. Oh well, it's like I mean, there's because a it's of... like I just do cargo and I just do whatever's easiest. <laughs> no, but I'm on your I'm like, on your website website, and that's pretty good. It's some like, of my friends are like they have such nice websites, but they get yeah. them designed for them. And the thing is, I want to be able to just use it like a like a sketchbook kind of thing. Yeah. Like, so I just like update it as I want, and it's more just for me to see like what I've been doing. Where you know, like you can look back across all the other projects and yeah. then sort and of start to make it. It's like a portfolio in a way for for myself. And you do that as well with so you have this collaboration called Playgroundless. Yeah, and who's that? That's um. Nina Bomb. Well, there's four of us, and we met in Slade, and we did the MA, which is you know because it's like the MFA and the MA. Oh. And the I MA is only yeah. So I started off doing the MFA, and then I swapped onto the MA in like the second week. And, and why? Why did you? Because change? they were reading just really great. They basically have three hour seminar every week, mm. and um, so it's just more work on top of the MFA. Basically, more writing, um, writing, and like talking and reading and stuff. <laughs> basically, I transferred onto the MA and and. So we were just doing that on top of the MFA and we were, we weren't in like, some of us were in sculpture and some of us were in media and there was 12 of us on the course anyway. So it wasn't like it was just us. Mm. But then, so we didn't really initially build up the relationship to be like a collaboration or anything. We were just people who were studying things, but I guess we got to know each other in a more kind of like through reading and through theory so rather than through our practice-based yeah, work. Yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. So... And then we just finished and we like we'd all written our dissertations and we all left and like everybody went back to their countries and everything. So as, where's as where are people from? So basically Nina's from Denmark, Maria's from Colombia, and Belen is from Spain. And so the web because your the playgroundless Tumblr is like very what's the word? It's very well updated, lots and lots of content and yeah. lots of posts. Although it's because we've just finished a big project as well. Sure. But is that also a way that you keep in touch with each other? Yeah, basically stuff? we have to because we're abroad. So, so And then we didn't even get together for like a couple of years after Slade. And then oh, really? like in 2015, we would just happen to be... I was speaking to Nina about something. We were all like speaking to each other separately, almost. And then, and then we were all just being really fed up with the same stuff. And so we just started to get together. And what do you mean fed up with the same stuff? We were... <clears throat> well... We were really frustrated with the art world and with the, with the, with the kind of like the way that you have to write applications and the way that you have to have this kind of like particular working methodology in order to, to, I don't really perceive that as being true now actually, but at the Mm. time it's just something that we felt that we had in common. And I think it's because we did the MA, we felt a bit trapped by theory and like, we just felt like, how can you like get, get away from this and, or how can you use it, but how can you find a way through it? kind of thing and what did you do what was your kind of so we just started skyping and talking and then um, we wrote a manifesto uh, of the yeah of the things that we um 
kind of like core principles of the things that we were thinking about and things that we wanted to avoid. Give us avoid. The, give us a rough version. It's so like it was 2015 now. So, but basically, it was about like instead of having like like never having a theme, not having a ground. That's why we're called Playgroundless. Mm, okay. Um, not doing group shows. Um, yeah. Kind of. So as uh, in you together, you yeah. won't do shows as though you're a group. You do it as a collaboration. Yeah. yeah. Or like exploring what that would mean. Yeah. And uh, like uh, because we all can't, you can't really get away from theory because we know because we've we know it. That's kind of yeah. the way we know each other. Yeah. In a yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But it's like how to like move th- through it together from a, through a distance. So we set each other tactics. Basically, was how we got started. Ah, so okay. one of us would suggest something or write something. Like what kind and of it would thing? Be would it really be really abstract. <laughs> like it would be like the three parts of a walnut. And and like and we would talk about what it would be for something to be asymmetrical like that, and like it would just open up. What are the three parts of a walnut? Because you know it's split into three. <laughs> it's As not split into three, but it's got a line which is the line through the walnut is not symmetrical. Oh right, it's like okay. a peace sign. Oh yeah, sure, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know, and yeah, and it just kind of went from there. So we would decide each other tactics, and then it just yeah, quite a lot of writing, loads of talking. Yeah, is that a feature again? Is that a feature of? You guys being dislocated in space, yeah, just so, not near each other. Oh, it's kind of like it's. I mean, now the work has really changed that we do because we've been together for a couple of years. Yeah, and it's become much more uh, like we're much more aware of the technology that we're using because of because of the distance between us. What's the latest show you just? So you guys just, just did something at Gasworks. Yeah, we did. It was called Hollow Tongues, and it was VR, which is our first expedition into VR. Yeah, that's so it was exciting. really exciting, really interesting, really difficult because steep learning curve who's the and who's the kind of techiest person in your group I think I don't know we actually all have really different approaches to tech I think so I don't think anyone's really better than the other we all just okay. have different sort of systems of but did you actually I mean my knowledge of what VR is and how you program it is nothing so like how how do you even start <laughs> well basically I know someone who works for a VR um, company called Useful. Workflow okay so um, we were talking about doing. Basically, we were approached to do a commission for, for Gasworks by Royal College curating students, and we were. And the commission was um, to do with like digital, like nomadism in in the digital age, work like working together across. What's a digital nomad? I don't know. I think that that's is. what they were asking, basically. Oh. And, <laughs> and we were like, well. Good. Uh, we, and then kind of like ephemeral architecture, and you know that kind of thing. Uh, I can't really remember the exact... It was a long time ago now, like the, even the initial proposal. And of course, things like really developed from there. Yeah, of course. But I suppose they they approached us because we were we were artists working together across different geographies, mm, like using yeah. the, the digital, like not because we were really techy, but because that's like the platform that we can, that's like available to it's us. It's the most practical yeah. way of yeah. doing stuff, isn't and it? So, and, in the, and in the end, with the VR, it's, it's the same thing. It's like we weren't really using VR because we were trying to make a really slick virtual reality show we were using it because it was like what we developed which is really cool because it's like I don't think it's really been done before so maybe you could just describe yeah so basically um, it's an online VR platform Um, so you go it's like normal experience for the viewer in a way insofar as you go into the gallery you put on the headset and you can hear things and you can see things and it's in virtual reality. But the difference is, is that it's online and that we're live performing from our four countries. Oh. So for the first time, like, I don't think it's been done before. We, like, this is the great thing about working with Workflow because it was really a collaboration as well because we were developing this stuff. We were saying, oh, can you do this? They were saying, oh, no, but 
we'll try and mm. like and so like they were learning stuff about this platform and we were learning about like the limitations to what we could do but it was still difficult because we could never really see what we were doing because we could we were never actually in the VR ourselves because as far as I could tell I didn't I didn't see it as VR but from your documentation photos in the VR there's like video screens and stuff right mm. is that right so you're so, so you're performing live on those video screens there's, yeah there's like there's video screens of like of the videos that we make because often when we're developing work we'll all make different videos and do different bits of writing and then we'll each respond to each other's like that's kind of the way that we've that we work now mm-hmm. um and so there's like the videos that we made when we were developing the project but there's also we were speaking live so we so we had a script that mm, we were speaking okay. from our four different countries into the VR and, the and that's mus- coming through as audio yeah exactly so it's like a live audio stream into, oh, okay. and it was also in the real space simultaneously as in the VR so they were like because we wanted to make a sort of crossover between the two spaces um, and then uh, what was the other thing that oh yeah so we could also write subtitling live as well oh, okay. so basically it's like an online live performance you can move things around everything basically every single thing that happened in the VR happened because we were manually oh, right. doing wow. it Kind of thing, like nothing was programmed. Yeah, yeah. nice. So it was quite intense. Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, I don't think VR has really been used in that way before, but for yeah, us it was great because it's kind of like a meeting place where we can then, it's like being in the studio together or something. Yeah. But we can never be, and like um, we had the show and we weren't all here. You know, like none of us, yeah. none of us were actually in Gasworks kind of thing. So. <laughs> Must have been really so. lonely at the opening. <laughs> that there. So, Yeah. And how long were you performing at regular times or did you just... Yeah, I mean, that's something we have to work on for next time because we didn't really anticipate how intense it would be. So the the gallery was open from 12 till 6 and we hadn't really programmed breaks or... Oh, yeah. Like, we hadn't really <laughs> considered that aspect of it. So it was really, like, knackering, actually. Yeah. yeah, really intense. But it does mean that we're, like, much more familiar with the software now. How did and you we're all to the quite toilet? confident. Yeah, just... I don't even ask. It was like, I'm just going to run now. <laughs> And then also, the, the thing that I quite enjoyed about it is that in the background as well, because what we really wanted was to avoid this kind of like, like we're not against this, sort, we're not into this sort of like glossy, hyper-real yeah, aesthetic. Yeah, that's, that's the weird thing about VR, you know, it's so dominated by Exactly. That. And we really wanted to see if we could use it as, a, as, as, as we would use like any other material. And one of the things, yeah. and it probably is a bit clunky, like people manually moving things and manually speaking but when I spoke to some of the audience they said some of the nice things like they could hear my cat purring like <laughs> you know in the background and, and um, the ice cream van that pulled up once you know playing the really loud do 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 which is like so it's like um, even though you're in the VR and and it, you get this sense of like liveness and like yeah. the fact that other people are actually present there uh, and it's not even like in terms of avatar but it's in terms of like actual I don't know, I guess there is like a sort of physical presence there. It's weird, isn't it, with VR that it's the... It, you can tell that it's still like a new technology because that kind of slippage between real and virtual isn't normally allowed. Whereas now, yeah. like, in Skype, it's about reality. You're not really thinking about it. It's an invisible kind of technology. Yeah. Whereas VR is such a, like, presence because of all the equipment, I guess, and the newness and the expense yeah. and stuff like that. Do you think you'd use it... Do you think you'd be able to use it in a more... Do you think you'd be able to use it like a studio? Do you think it'll get to that point for you guys where that might be an actual working technique? Yeah, I mean, we're keeping the... We still have the project online so we can change it as much as we want now. The only issue is that we rely on workflow so much to, like... Yeah. 
there's loads of stuff we can't do, basically. Yeah, or we sure. can do, but it takes us ages, so it's much faster just to ask them to do it. What kind of thing are you talking better, about? better, like, 3D modeling. Um, right. Out of the four of us, only Belen spent time trying to master that, and it took her, I think she did, uh, like, a one-day, like, training yourself off the internet thing, and she um, built a cup, which a piece of cloth dropped into, which was really nice. But it's, so it's a huge undertaking yeah. to, to get good at that. Whereas um, the guys from Workflow can just... Like quickly do it. Yeah, I mean, it still takes a long time. I think it takes them an hour or two, but yeah, it's, it doesn't take. They a know day. what they're already. They, they're doing. already doing it. Yeah. So I mean, we're kind of limited in that way. Um, but I think there's still like there's still room in the future to work together. And if we wanted to add things to the project or mm. or work together again in a different way, we could do that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's just I I think we're we're not closing our turning our backs to it. Um, I think that we will still do VR but we're also quite keen not to become like the girls who do VR you know like the artist group that do VR you know why like, not why is that so um, <laughs> everyone I speak to everyone I speak to who I know who's an artist always says oh I don't want to I don't want to have like a brand or anything and then you look at all the really famous successful artists and they all have a little bit of a brand exactly but we don't yeah. want to do that no because <laughs> because the whole thing about our project is it's not at all about ego it's about making work okay it's about like experimenting and yeah. process and it's about like getting some energy finding energy in each other and it would necessarily it's not lose about, energy if you were like oh no let's do vr again because people like vr and yeah because it. it's not about i don't know i mean it's difficult with art because there's always that thing of you are you are doing it in the end to share with other people but but it's not this thing about uh, oh we're making this and this is what we do. Mm. It's more. It's more a case of like producing knowledge and sharing it. I think yeah. is what we're interested in. But do you think? I mean, it's weird because you, if you say that the beginning of the collaboration was almost a rejection of themes or subject matters, but it does seem like you have quite a particular way of working, which is about language and the yeah. I think and that's well, the basis of it. It's sort something. of that's how it's that's where it's gone. I think. Okay. Yeah, and I think it's it's like. Partly out of necessity, but also partly because that's something that taps into each of our practices yeah. that already exists for all of us. As a, mm. it's actually really hilarious when we were developing Holy Tongues, we were like, "Oh, I've just been doing work." We were talking on Skype to each other, and then, "Oh, I've just been making work about this," and then someone else was like, "So have I," <laughs> you know. And it's just really amazing. Like we have such different practices, like completely different. So, what do the other people do when they're not doing Playgroundless? Uh, well, we're all practicing artists. Um, and uh, Maria's doing a PhD with the European Graduate School and she le um, leads the art course in Bogota. Oh, wow. Um, and Belen is doing a PhD in Madrid and Nina is works for a film company in Denmark and we're all practicing artists. Cool. So we all have crazy uh, schedules and really difficult with time zones to... It's like puts a lot of pressure on when we're... How many different? Mm. So how it's only three time zones, but because Colombia's yeah. six hours behind in the summer, yeah. So and because Maria has a full time job, she gets up at six a.m. So she'll be having breakfast at six a.m. on Skype. <laughs> uh, like we'll be having an early lunch, <laughs> you know. And oh, you have food together. Yeah, That's yeah, nice. Yeah, we drink together in the evening sometimes. <laughs> we spend a lot of time together <laughs> during not not all the time. Like um, during, I think our aim, the thing that we were thinking after this project is that we really don't want to be leaving at this time. So that it's, uh, I think what we need to do is like start doing it so that we just meet once a week for, for yeah. an hour or two because we were kind of doing like six hours a day on Skype 
like really like heavy, like when you had a project duty. yeah i mean it does get like that and it's probably unavoidable but i think what we'd like to do is like a slower practice that like develops at a kind of more healthy pace <laughs> and also i think there's something nice but like I, more and more i've come to see yeah like artists most artists as a having a kind of studio practice or, yeah. or the basis of what i do is like going to the studio on my own and doing stuff there's no reason why collaboration shouldn't be the same in the sense that you meet regularly and just yeah. continue like thinking. Like, you've got to feed right? it. Yeah. yeah, you can't just be suddenly like, da-da, you know, it takes a lot of, especially when there's four of you, there's a lot of, um, like, p- people's thoughts to to engage with. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of different ideas and thoughts and we have yeah. to get through them all and that's yeah, the that's joy of it, actually, but that's yeah. also the slowness of it, you know. Yeah. We used to have so. these, um, I have like a, I think the limit for a good discussion is kind of like, 12 people overall but if you're trying to make something so together hard. I don't even know so hard yeah so, what did you say four people and yeah that's quite a lot of people it is but it, um, we found a way of working I don't think mm. I think you have to like have this we've developed a way of working together and it's through like sh- shared interest yeah and we're quite, quite passionate about what we do so it's not very difficult actually and, and now that we've been working together for a few years we really like understand each other in that way now yeah so but I'm sure it would be, I think it, it's quite a unique situation, maybe. Although I do know that, like, lots of people do collaborate. Yeah. But I think in, in, including the geographical distances and the time zones into the equation has made it <laughs> quite tricky. Yeah. And it feels like you guys don't need to, from the work I've seen, you don't need to come to total consensus on no, what yeah. the work means or what it's going to be. No, it's very much like we try and be as experimental and as open-minded as yeah. possible. I think that's the only way we can ever get started. But then at the same time, this, uh, we're always trying really hard to be quite precise and and in the end to know exactly what we're doing. Oh, okay. But we sort of get lost on the way there in order to find ourselves somewhere else, yeah. which is a process that I really believe in for myself as well. So, yeah, I mean... Yeah, we learn. I like. I learn a lot from them. I think we all learn a lot from each other, and it's great for when you have your own practice because it just feels like you, we never talk about our own practices to each other. Really, not not really secret. Like none Keep of us. It's just because we're so busy that whenever we're on Skype, we're just talking yeah. about our stuff. You know, so it's kind of a. I don't know. It's like a really. It's a really kind of a productive mm. way of not doing your own practice. Yeah, in a way, and it really feeds my practice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's the. I mean, you know, we were talking earlier about, like, busyness or whatever, but, but the reason I do lots of different things is yeah. because they all kind of end up helping each other. They don't necessarily feed into each other directly, but, like, taking time away from each one seems to allow them to be exciting when I come back to them or whatever. Yeah, and in the end, actually, everything is quite connected, I think. It's, it's not so obvious, but, but they are. I, I mean, we were talking earlier about, like, the kind of work you end up making, and, and I think for me having this music studio for example it's like ended up that sound has become my natural area of interest is that the same for you yeah film at the moment yeah i mean i think it's i can't help but think maybe it's not true for everyone but it's often like quite circumstantial what you end up doing as an artist depending on like whether you have a studio or not or um like in a way i think the reason why i got into film was because when i finished uni and i hadn't done any film during my ba oh really you really. didn't do any when you no no uh, oh well i did a bit but not really i did i made like two really bad videos but they weren't they were more like documentation of performances okay. they weren't really videos yeah, yeah. um and but when i left i just happened to get this job as a technician in the cinema in the Tyneside cinema yeah and got trained up from 
not knowing anything at all to, oh, right. to, to knowing much more wow, that's <laughs> about incredible. film and about and about AV in general, yeah. you know. So that was like thanks to Richard Bate, basically, who just yeah. took me on and trained me up. That's so mad. I didn't so, realise it was, yeah. I kind of assumed that that had given you a lot of technical stuff, but you'd already been yeah. interested in it. Yeah, in I mean, I think, but I think it's just as an artist, you just, you're a bit of a sponge, really, aren't you? Yeah. Like, you just kind of like whatever's happening around you. Like, if I'd had a different job, you know, I don't know what it would have been, but... At McDonald's. You know, <laughs> who knows what could have, where it would have taken, you yeah. know, like, it does, like, everything kind of informs you because you are kind of just curious. Let's talk about, about the dithering things. then, because, so okay. this, your latest solo show has two, well, one video piece and one film piece in. Yeah. And then some vinyls on the yeah. window. And then there was a performance element as well. Or yeah, kind of well, there was a di- like a dinner performance. A dinner yeah. performance. Okay. Um, let's talk about the title. Dithering, uh-huh. I think, is like a really funny word. It's the sort of word I think that you would accidentally say, like a British person would accidentally say to like an American curator. <laughs> they'd be like, what, what the heck is dithering? <laughs> like, oh, it is no, like really English, that. actually, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> It's yeah. like fannying. Oh, no, it's not quite the same as fannying about, but it's like got a similar... It does have a sort of traditional ring to it, though. I guess dither is quite a... I don't know. It does feel like a sort of old word. Yeah. Somehow. What do, What is? What exactly would you think? say dithering is? What's the meaning? Well, uh, yeah, I would say... Well, I can't help but tell you just the, dic- the dictionary definition because okay, I've looked yeah, up yeah. It, it up so much, but um, it's basically an agitated state of uncertainty. Agitated state, of and the reason why okay. uh, they use like they call the they call dithering and sound and then like um, using the dots and images. Forgive my wait. What's what's dithering in the technical? And there's like you use it's like a create uh, now. What is it again? It's like they apply noise to something mm. to make it stop being noisy. It's like to make it because they've compressed it. There's less information, so if you add a layer of noise, then it makes it look a bit smoother or something. I think so. Is that oh, I really, I should really know this, but I mean, I did know it, but because I didn't really then do anything with it. But it's like my reading of it anyway, which is often what happens, which isn't the truth, is that like you apply chaos to something in order to make sense. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really weird. They 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 seem like quite quite opposite, an agitated state of uncertainty. I guess that's. Yeah, uncertainty is the element, that you, the chaos you're introducing. To and them. I think that also it's uh, the grass can dither in the wind. Oh, really? Which is like a sort of trembling. That's yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's really lovely. Are you a ditherer? Uh, yes. Absolutely incapable of making decisions. Really? Yeah. Which is why it's so hard when there's a show. Yeah. I was thinking the other day, I'm not a ditherer, I'm decisive. You're a doer. But I'm a, I'm a fannier. <laughs> so like Are this you? morning, Yeah, so I'm decisive. So I'm very good at like saying yes or no to things and like quickly deciding what I want to do oh, yeah, but like actually carrying out the things that I want to do like today this morning I just didn't do anything yeah and then like before I was leaving I was like I couldn't find my sunglasses and I couldn't find this and then I've left my phone mm. at home so I'm like I'm like useless but I'm not a ditherer that's no because that's you're not uncertain you're just yeah. uh, I'm just bad at doing just, the things just uh, <laughs> <laughs> taking a slow approach or a different yeah. approach yeah, whereas I can just never decide, and then once I've decided, it's all you know. Then I'm quite like efficient. I yeah. Think. But the problem is, even when I've decided, that often I'm still not sure. <laughs> so I kind of am very like going around in circles, and that's why the whole this time I've never really made a show like this. But I started this time. Normally, I start with like, I guess images, yeah, or videos of landscapes or things I've seen, and it, things kind of go from there. But this time I started with words and tried to write a play play ah okay um, so and was that the, was like the starting point the play's the starting point so okay. 
made life really difficult for myself actually because but much more interesting at the same time because I've never really started from there and actually the show that was produced out of it was um like quite different from if I'd started with images I think yeah the so the play if maybe I'll take a stab at describing it it's it's kind of like a personification of lots of different voices in your head talking about the decision making process and what it means to make a decision yeah and there's like one voice is the decisive, you should just make a decision and stick to it kind of voice. The other ones, they're like, oh, but you can never know which one's the right choice. There's two yeah. other, I can't think of the other. Yeah, there's five. There's yeah. five voices, okay. And they're all really annoying by the end. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and actually, it's not, you know, it's not very well written. I'm not, you know, an author. And it was more like a means to an end because it's basically my head was just full of these like really annoying circular arguments. That I was, but was it about anything know, in particular, kind of or was it about becoming obsessed with? I don't know. Lots of things were happening in the world at that time. That mm. was, you know, it's really, uh, it's. Uh, I mean, it's just really. I think it's just very complicated. Actually. This is. I can't even speak about it now, and I've written a whole <laughs> play about it. <laughs> but uh, it's just this constant. Even I can't decide whether it's good to decide, you know? Yeah, because, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's at a time when it was before the elections. Before it was before... before Brexit. It was before Brexit. Like, okay. Was it before Brexit? No, it wasn't before Brexit. It was January that I started. No, but actually it was really like... No, but, no, no when was it? It was probably August when I started thinking about it. August after... Last year. Oh, okay. So but I didn't really... Brexit, I wasn't writing the play until after Christmas. But I was just thinking about... Um, how compromising it is to always have to make choices when all the yeah. choices are basically the same or often it feels like that and then actually yeah. it's more interesting to change the whole dialogue rather than kind of get like knuckled down inside this web of like things which are all really compromised anyway yeah although you don't you know do you have a choice to actually leave that kind I of I don't know it's so I mean if we're talking about politics like this sounds really bad but I do engage in it but I also don't I just don't listen to the news or watch the news yeah so i know what's going on in the world and i'm engaged in thinking about it but i don't have any like normal information about it but then but, that, a, but what is that you know that's that's well i guess that's kind I of just, the question yeah know. but then i but then i don't feel like i need to make decisions about it i just have like various opinions about it yeah i don't know it's, but then you kind of uh you know the thing that i was thinking a lot about was how connect interconnected everything is and about how like it's it's uh if you look at it in this way there's so much pressure because if you don't do anything it has an effect and if you do do something it has an effect so and, is that what know. the so there's a piece in there called yolo which is a scratched 16 mil film right is that right yeah. you just scratched it no animation? i just wrote it i wrote it and the whole oh, thing okay. was that i was thinking a lot about uh like if you keep doing something over and over, I was thinking there was a few different things going on. I was I was reading a few different things, and all these different bits were feeding into each other. But one of them I was thinking a lot about was like repetition and circularity, mm -hmm. to, in terms of uncertainty. Mm. And if you keep returning to the same thing again, like each time maybe it does have more resonance mm. or it takes on a new meaning. Maybe. Um, what do you think about the phrase "you only live once"? <laughs> it's uh, I think it's ridiculous. You know. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. I think it's really. It's I think it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure you do live once. Like, I think you live like so many lives at once. In a uh, way. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, that's an interesting. I, I was thinking the other way. I was thinking it's often used when someone's like going to have a bit of cake or whatever. Or yeah, like you have. It's a way <laughs> of like, oh, drink. just go on. You know. But in another way, it's like 
if you only live once, that's also like a terrible existentialist thing, which is like, you <laughs> yeah. can only make this decision yeah. once, like, and then you're stuck with it forever. Yeah, or it's the other way where, oh, you only live once, like, who cares? Just, yeah, you know, like, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's quite like, it can, depending on which way you look at it, I guess. Yeah. But I just find it hilarious that there's like a hash, hashtag YOLO yeah. as, you know, as, <laughs> as like a, th- as a thing. And I was just sitting in, my stu- sitting in my studio, which is my kitchen, just going, oh, I have to make decisions as well. Oh, wow, you only live once. <laughs> I don't know. And then this idea of sitting and handwriting on every frame because there's like, a, a must be a couple of metres yeah. of tiny frames, you know, because yeah. it's 16 mils. So. so what do you use to draw on them? Just a, like a whiteboard pen, okay. you know, like a acetate pen. Yeah. Um, because I could have done it scratch, but you would have, I would have done it into like black 16 mil. Oh, yeah, okay. scratch through, so it would be like a white So it's the other way around, yeah. I really like, and you just said about interconnectedness, I really, really like the vinyl wall drawings, which were all, I guess, bodily metaphors. Is that the yeah. right way of describing them? Yeah, like They're language that we language, use. Right? Yeah. Like, uh, it was kind of the same thing. Like I was thinking about making decisions and stuff, and then at the same time, that happened to be this really good program on BBC Radio. I can't remember what channel, probably four. And um, and it was to do with the sen- Uncommon Senses, I think it was called, or oh, something like good. that. It was really good. And it was just playing whilst I was sitting there, in the what background. was it about? And it was about, um, well, the one, the one that were, like, really stuck with me was the one about um, hyper-empathy, which was oh, featured, yeah. like, in the video. And um, it, it's to do with the fact that, and I really like it because it's kind of like these kind of assenting bodies that are just doing their own thing. Um, so the, the way that your body is constantly aligning itself to other bodies around you so that if you look at someone and they're sad, their pupils become smaller. And and then your pupils automatically also become smaller, like mm. in empathy mm. with the person who's like who you're looking at. So and an emotion could be like a yawn or something. Completely like uh, like physical reaction. Yeah. Um, and I really like this idea that your bo- all your bodies are constantly aligning with each other. Yeah. Like unbeknown to their kind of own owners. Although yeah. I don't really believe in like that kind of like owner of the body thing. But but the the drawings are things like gut instinct, no brainer. Yeah, rule of thumb. It's like things that ways of measuring or understanding or deciding. Yeah. But like using your body, I think. And it's, I was reading this other thing at the same time, and um, I was really interested in this because of the connectivity thing and making decision thing. It seems to be like a very human problem mm. of 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 like possibly made by ourselves because we just seem to be kind of uh, thinking of ourselves as quite separate from things when actually we're not. And uh, I was reading this book and it was saying that the human lung is like, um, what, uh, like uh, I can't remember the exact words, but it was just basically saying about how it's a great organ for the times because actually it's uh, like the total like non-division of human and non-human because the like the, yeah, because the skin like isn't really a boundary in that in that situation mm. because you're breathing in like non-human chemicals. Have you heard of the biome? No, my fave new thing. <laughs> so the biome, the biome is like the bacteria and stuff that live in your skin. Yeah, which like I think people often people have talked about. There's like a certain bacteria that is on your elbow that softens the skin, which allows it to stretch. So mm. these these bacteria which have grown up in or not grown up evolved in tandem with us. To like yeah. kind of in a symbiotic relationship. But there's also this one which is when you're born, you come out of your mother's vagina and you're kind of smeared with her biome. So you yeah. get her like bacteria. Oh yeah, the white stuff. And that well, I mean it's just yeah, but there's just like bacteria in it yeah. and stuff. And then you put up oh, onto yeah. her chest yeah. or to your dad or whatever. And then you like you get their bacteria and that stays with you. Yeah. And basically um, every yeah. time you like shake hands with someone else, a bit of their biome goes onto you, but normally your biome like kills it, mm-hmm. but depending on like how strong it oh, is. Yeah. 
So but, we're all kind of infecting each other. Yeah, exactly. But, but also with a non-human thing. Which yeah, is really exactly. Nice. Yeah. But it's this thing where like it's essential, but it's also definitely not human. Yeah. Like by no yeah. one's definition. By like, but that's because our definition of the human is so like exactly incorrect. so crazy. Yeah. yeah. But then we're also just like big tubes anyway. We like yeah, eat stuff, precisely. And stuff. Yeah. yeah, and I think I was thinking. Yeah, we were, I was just thinking about you know the skin isn't really there anyway. So why do we? You know, it's like our over-reliance on our eyes kind of thing. Like, mm. why do we Why do we not actually, like, really, like, um, use our bodies or, like, respect our bodies as decision-making tools? Um, but is there something about... Like, imagine how much more aware of our environment we'd be if, like, if, like, we didn't... If we thought in that way yeah. rather than if we thought with our eyes. Yeah. But is there something about... I can't remember what I was... I was listening to something today and, and the difference between humans and animals isn't necessarily levels of consciousness or anything but like humans in societies definitely are thinking about the future a lot yeah so if you're making a decision now then maybe you'd go with your gut as it were yeah but then if you're making a decision that involves like the future you don't know what your body feels about yeah. that or something that's true that's true then it becomes more like it becomes quite abstract and quite sci-fi though to think about the future in that way when you when you think about it as like a body being in space. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because those things are constantly changing. Because that's because that's essentially what you're saying is like, what will I want to have happen yeah. in the future? <laughs> I mean, it's just too much, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I can't even decide what to do today. <laughs> but you know, actually, maybe it's really important because you know it's only by like contemplating the way that things are and the way that things like maybe could be better mm. and then trying to implement small change because there's no way you can just change things overnight but I do think that change can happen yeah. but only if you push for it and and that takes a lot of time so like you might start doing something now and it might take hundreds of years for for anything to come and, of it and know? that of course is like a completely anti-humanist way of thinking of the human because it's like it doesn't involve the individual anymore it has, you have exactly. to think about generations yeah. of people as it should because or not just people but, but everything yeah. you know yeah, yeah. like a sort of interconnected situation so the film felt like it was uh, or the video sorry the, mm -hmm. is that called The Dithering? yeah okay so, the, so that video felt like it referred to ideas in the script this idea of trying to make decisions yeah. but it's not from the script no it's so um, I wrote the play with just a way of like getting some stuff out of my head mm -hmm. and trying to clear it out so that maybe through that I would find my way mm -hmm. forwards because I was quite kind of lost at that point and um, so basically it's kind of like everything was expanded from the play but not mm. like the play so the play would never be acted or anything or filmed or whatever it's just a kind of tool I mm. suppose um, and so with the film I wrote I wrote a narrative which was still exploring the idea of uncertainty but kind of through the idea of of uh, this person who's trying to do something and um, they keep trying they keep trying they can't ever get there sort of thing so they're trying through repetition and they're trying through hyper empathy and they're trying all these different sort of approaches and in the end they just get really really lost and but in a way that's like the breakthrough moment mm, yeah kind of thing i mean in a way it's like the play it's a bit of a silly kind of narrative but at the same time it's i mean i'm always a bit stuck with these things because because uh and you know the some of the things that i was thinking about were like quite overtly political but then i i don't necessarily think it's useful to because to, i'm as to, soon as like, i walked into the show that. i was like this cuz it it's just finished right so yeah yeah like this is about Brexit, this is about Trump, this is about, like, the rising need for certainty in an uncertain world, like, 
all of these things felt intensely political, but there's like absolutely no mention of any particular yeah. things at all. And is that a conscious yeah. decision or is that part yeah. of the dithering? Like, but it's something <laughs> that, again, I'm uncertain, I'm uncertain about. Yeah. But it is a conscious decision because at, at the end of the day, I don't know, at the end of the day, and I'm not even convinced by it, of course, because I'm me, <laughs> but, <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's kind of like language is amazing because it makes it it makes meaning and yeah. why reproduce a language which is making some which like it which is basically a currency at the moment which is assigning meaning to to like finances but also assigning meaning to information that doesn't necessarily like you know spinning information i okay. guess and so you're saying so in even- a way narrative is a kind of like way of neg- negating that and, and like reassigning meaning or changing the like the value of language, mm. I know, but you're, but you're, you would never be interested in like referring directly, you know, if you're thinking about politics. Yeah, you I would, would never... be. I am, but I just always end up feeling like then uh, it's nothing new. Yeah, you know? like yeah, yeah. in a way, what I want is to like put myself in a world of possibility, mm. um, and in a way, that's what I want to do, like with the viewer as well, so that it's. So that it's not just more of like, oh, you know, everything's so shit. You know, you know, it's which <clears throat> I really do really like works that do that. Yeah. But for some, I just don't think that I have the, uh, haven't found the kind of way of delivering that that I'm happy with. Mm. So for me, it feels uh, a way of like getting around that is to do something that's kind of like um, a- around these things, but not but talking through like metaphor i suppose yeah, yeah or yeah. um like trying to like reword it or reimagine it or and also th- so that it can be read in any way by anyone because i don't also really believe in the audience all thinking all necessarily knowing what you were thinking yeah. like i think it's 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 just a, it's just creating a space for thought is a show really because i guess hyper empathy is so interesting if you think about our split politics which is so too there's like seems yeah. to be always just two yeah. sides but as soon as you have something like hyper empathy and then you have people in a room together talking then you have this immediate like yeah. dissolution of this kind of political yeah argument. which is really interesting in this kind of era where a lot of the decision making doesn't happen within like a physical distance of each other mm, and yeah. so and then it's quite interesting because because then you're thinking about like talking to play around this on skype for example yeah because i can see them so somehow i feel like the conversation is completely different from when we talk on skype without a video yeah um because to do with like their 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 bodies yeah and the way that they move and like, you can read so much more into what the what like language is kind of uh, I mean it's an amazing thing, but it's really slippery and yeah. it, like to get the full context, you, you know. I mean, um, I would I being mean, close I'm, is helpful. <laughs> I know you're not even really saying this, but like I, for me, like it's just totally it's just a different thing. Like lang- language would have developed with the body and with physical yeah. space. Yeah. Our like our notions of society would have developed alongside language, and then so then the telephone makes language like a totally different thing which is yeah. why you then develop an etiquette of how you speak on the telephone yeah and then skype in its own way has got that as well because you see people but maybe there's a little bit of a delay so you give people a lot more time there's a lot more n- silent nodding because of the way <laughs> yeah like the way that skype does compression it's like if you make any little noise and it's on a delay it will just go Bleh! yeah and it's really else annoying yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you have to have yeah. this whole other etiquette. It's true. But I guess what we're talking about in terms of how political decisions are made is like pressure via the media, pressure via yeah. like the conversation that's happening on social media or exactly the way that you receive your information and and how you, how you kind of uh, 
deal with it as well. Yeah. Yeah. But the etiquette in terms of social media just isn't there yet. Or like it doesn't feel like we're coming to a place where an etiquette will be established because it feels such a like a rude Yeah, it's kind of too place. frenetic in a way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's too fast moving maybe. Yeah, I think yeah, things are already happening before you understand what's happening often. Yeah. Or I feel like that anyway. I mean that's I mean I sometimes think that about like Oh, but that's because I don't yeah. go and see a lot of art, so I'm really bad. But doing this podcast is really good because it means that I just sit and like look at someone's art yeah. for like a whole day or like wow. whatever, how, how many hours. <laughs> and I watch everyone's... I was saying this to Beth. I did an uh, interview with Beth Collar the other day. Yeah. And I was like, I'm the guy who watches all the Vimeo. Oh. Like I watch <laughs> the whole... <laughs> <laughs> I watch the whole video yeah. artwork. Because no one even does in the yeah. gallery, let yeah. alone in the, like, in the internet space. <laughs> Do you look at a lot of art? Uh, not as much as I'd like to, but yeah, as much as I can, basically. And does that, uh, that influence yeah. your art, or is that just like... It doesn't, it doesn't. I think, I really think that everything influences it. Okay. So, uh, like, sometimes I like I work as a technician, and sometimes shows that I'm working on. Oh, do, I, I in, in, oh you do, like, AV stuff? Or? Yeah, and also gallery stuff as oh, well, okay. yeah. Um, or sometimes I'll be like, go on holiday to Wales, and <laughs> something will happen there. Or, like, recently, not recently, but just before I did the show, I went to Wensleydale, and there was a rope making factory there. And, like, <laughs> really, rope was going to feature heavily in the show for a while, you know, rope making. Where did the rope? Uh, There's no rope in there, though. No, 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 because I actually, there's also some other videos that there was another video that didn't go in as oh, well. Oh, right, okay. Um, just because I think the space just wasn't, you know. Working with you can't put too much. Yeah, in. And I already so this felt is like space quite a lot. In. Yeah, it's a very yeah. it's a. I really like the gallery space. It's, yeah, it's small and it's, it's quite, quite narrow. Yeah, and it's narrow and it has windows down one side, which used really well with the vinyl. Yeah, I was quite pleased with how they turned out because it was unpredictable and I really wasn't sure. <laughs> I was thinking it might be awful, but I was quite pleased with them. It's quite yeah. mad. It's like uh, to describe it. I guess the windows are double glazed, and because you put them on one, yeah, side put them on the outside, outside. Yeah. Then they then have like two angles of light coming through so they're yeah. they're they're completely impossible to take a good photo yeah I know it's so annoying <laughs> but they're kind of like holograms now I quite, yeah, and exactly. I like it when people move um, when people are walking past outside mm. you get this beautiful pattern like yeah. through through the drawings yeah and and I was really happy also because I just did some things in, in this show that I haven't done for a long time like drawing yeah and like writing well obviously writing a play I've never done before um, I haven't done any 16 mil before. Not that you would really call that a 16 mil, but I haven't. I like. I, 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 I mean, I enjoyed like expanding my materials, but yeah. on my process, and um, I took loads of risks. I really didn't think a lot of it was going to work, um, but I'm really happy that I did. Whether it worked or not, because because I feel like um, it's given me the confidence to actually now like go further and explore yeah. more, more stuff, which means I'm just enjoying my practice more. Basically, yeah. You know, I'm not kind of stuck in the. Because, you know, it is easy to be, to be like, oh, but this is what I normally do. Yeah. So I shouldn't really deviate because I'll get really lost and then and then I won't make work in time and things like that. But actually, it was really been good. it's been really good for me. Mm. And at the same time, we were doing the show at Gaswork, so we were just doing a lot of kind of crazy experimental stuff all at the same time. Yeah. Which, yeah, yeah, which yeah. was good, yeah. Um, let's talk... Hang on, let me see. Let's talk about the performance because I, I didn't go, but it sounded... Uh, <laughs> it <mental>. was bonkers. <laughs> it was totally bonkers. Um, partly because I was working with Alfonso Borrigan, who is a Spanish artist that I also met at Slade. Okay. And he works in, like, one-off events with people, like, live events. And uh, I knew... Because uh, like, I really hate the artist and conversation thing that you have to have at the end oh, of the show. Oh, so you refuse so to was, do that? Well, I didn't refuse, but I was just thinking, <laughs> how can we do something that's that's like that, but is more kind of um, instead of talking about the show, how can we do something that like is doing the show, like yeah. like doing some of the doing ideas? The yeah. So so we came up with this idea for the dinner together, 
and it was in the ga- cafe across the road from the gallery. And so we would just took some of the themes from the show, basically, like repetition, like chaos, increasing intensity, um, trying to use those devices to take the person to somewhere else, I guess, or to so like, the lead them down a path, the, I suppose. So the experience the was audience. really intense. I mean, even I was like, oh, when's it going to be over? <laughs> and it's really like, also, because it was a really hot day. Um, oh, right, yeah. And uh and so everybody, it was so it was kind of hot when we started, but also so we filled the space with stage lights, which at the beginning were off, and um, there were six courses, and every course the lights went brighter and brighter. So it was also getting brighter and hotter and louder. There was more and more layers of sound played during the night as well. So over the course of the six six uh, courses, uh, it just got kind of like oh, louder. And what's the hotter. food? The food was the same. So uh, it was like a black soup, and on each table was uh, loads of salt shakers, which all had different kinds of white powder in. So the black soup was delivered, and then it was taken away, and then again the black soup was delivered and taken away, and this happened five times. Which, um, were, were, were people eating the soup? Is it um, uh, Oh, yeah, I mean, it was really nice. So oh. we worked with a chef who, oh, okay. who, who was really excited to work on the project, and she kind of came up with the soup. It was seaweed and mushroom, Mm. Um, with squidding but it was quite salty and it was a really hot day so it was also quite intense obviously one two bowls great but like by the fifth bowl I could see people were uh, finding it a bit much and I was finding it a bit much as well and everybody and um and it was just getting so loud and horrible and I think uh, it was really like uncomfortable actually is the word I would use um and then uh so and then for the final course there was a black dessert that came out um and uh the music went off and everything was just like, oh. And what was the black dessert? Um, it was actually, I don't even know what it's called. We were going to do something else. It was meringues with black jelly, but it didn't work out. So we did, uh, you, um, I don't know what they're called, but they're from, I think they're from a Chinese supermarket. And they're like white blob, little globbly things with like red bean paste inside. Okay, yeah. And we rolled them in black sesame seeds. So also everybody had loads of black sesame seeds all over their teeth afterwards, as well, um, which wasn't intentional. But um, And then I, I wasn't sure how it would... I kind of expected people to walk out at some point, actually, mm. um, because, you know, you don't have to go through that. Because how long was the whole performance? It was like experience? maybe an hour and a half, two hours. Um, and I was... So each course, I wasn't... Bit, oh, I haven't even mentioned. On each table, there was a performer, but nobody knew that they were performing. So they were also doing different things. Like one of them was telling a story repetitively but just making it work into the conversation. Um, on another table, somebody was singing. On another table, um, somebody kept tapping and clapping, like out of rhythm with the music. Uh, and on another table, somebody was slurring their words all the time. And Did you... this? It's, I mean, it sounds really interesting, but it sounds quite antagonistic as a... I was worried that it would be, to okay. be honest, and I didn't want it to be at all. I think what I wanted it to be was a kind of shared ca- moment of just weird chaos... Mm outside of the ordinary and kind of resisting expectation definitely but as a kind of like as a productive experiment for everyone to because basically everybody had had an hour in the show first oh, they okay. could have. so everyone was over there having a beer first whilst we set up and then they came over so I really wanted there to be like a really clear relation between what we were doing mm. in the dinner and what was happening what was what was happening in the show kind of thing and it was a way of doing an artist in conversation so instead of actually saying the words of describing like what I'd done it was more like of a like what I really liked was this idea of like you t- you know you're taking the ideas and like kind of like physically 
processing them. Yeah, Do you know okay, what I mean? Yeah, so, so it's like really sens- like sensorial. Yeah. yeah, like digesting everything. Yeah, and then I was performing on a typewriter. So every course, so I wrote another play, very short, obviously. <laughs> uh, and each course was another act. So there's six acts. And then um, I just put the papers there and people could come and pick them up as well. And I was just typing things that I overheard or things that were happening. But I had character, you know, kind of similar to the play that I mm. wrote. But it was just um, kind of like an interaction with the... With the dinner, and some people said afterwards that they found that the the most useful kind of like way of tapping into the mm. to. But everybody said that it was really uh, interesting the the like the level of discomfort that you get just from <laughs> eating the same thing five times. You know, like it's not really a big deal, is it? But for some reason, it really is a big deal. Yeah. And in a way, it's like through this kind of through doing something that you would never do, mm. you do actually kind of come get to somewhere else. Yeah. In a way, which is quite interesting. I mean, they're the things that I find really fascinating like this it's because it's almost like the staging devices that as artists we often don't think about like yeah so things like lighting but then yeah repetition of something over a, a kind of duration is quite intense and yeah, yeah like rhythm is really important and I like when yeah. do you get the chance to know that it's really intense to be served the same course five times because that <laughs> yeah. just doesn't happen yeah and do you think you yeah. do something else with food? For me, that was me being quite brave. Yeah. You know, and it was Alfonso that, like, helped me to be brave because he's, like, really much braver than me when it and, comes to And he, like was that. he doing the sound element? Was that his, So like... he was documenting and, like, kind of making sure all the waitresses were... All the various people were doing okay. And what was the sound part of it, then? The sound was... We made a soundtrack... Um, and it just repeated as well. So the whole thing was timed to the soundtrack mm-hmm. so that it was like, even if you hadn't finished your soup, it would just get taken away kind yeah. of thing. And it would come back again. And then on top of that, we took some of um, the excerpts out of the film that were like of spoken word mm. that were played. And the girl who was singing was the person who sang in the in the film, yeah. who is, um, which is also another thing that was really great because I... Because it was a collaboration with Alfonso, but also I've never worked with... It was Kay Watson who did the vocals. Yeah, and the, lo- we, and the we, songs. That yeah, and we of... made them together. And yeah. it was really like... Um, it was just a really, really great process. And then I had some, I worked with Adriana, um, who has to uh, design the cover of the play. I felt like there were so many people involved in making the work that it was just wonderful. You know, I really enjoyed it. Does it always feel like collaboration or does it sometimes... Which is, I, you know, which is one way of thinking about it or does it sometimes feel like you're just kind of employing their services or I think it's I think it's different levels because actually yeah. I was just thinking about like in the past I think I've basically always worked with people in my work I don't think like in another show that I've done I worked with someone who like performed for me and I knew kind of what I was interested in but then and I just uh, we spoke about it and then they did their interpretation of it which mm. is that's what I'm interested in mm. I think so I don't know if you would call that a color. It's different from the work with Playgroundless yes. because that's really like, um, I mean, it's all collaborations, I guess, but this, the collaboration with Playgroundless is much more uh, like everything is really decided together yeah. and everything's talked about, everything's really shared. Half the time we don't even know whose idea it was in the beginning. Like the authorship thing is really different. I was we're, thinking about this. Yeah. It's like a recognition of an already existing kind of relationship. So if you're already friends yeah. and then you have collaboration, I would be, I would I think all of those collaborations are always about like equality and equal input. Yeah. And, whereas I think if you have a, if you come to a collaboration through asking someone to do something very particular for you, yeah. then you've 
like created the collaborative relationship which yeah. you can then carry I mean obviously yeah. they, these relationships or maybe change, like you could call it like that's working with someone yeah whereas collaborating is more like sharing with someone I d- I'm not sure like it's definitely a case of I would never when I'm working with someone even like with workflow or like there was a mm. person who did um Adam Parkinson under the name Dane Law did the sound for our gasworks thing oh yeah sure and it's the same thing where you know we approach th- someone and tell them what we're thinking about and what we're interested in and then they come back to us with the things that they've responded with so it's not yeah. like you would never tell someone I've never in my life like when I've worked with someone told someone exactly what I want I've just said oh this is what this is what I'm doing and this is what we're thinking about and stuff and then how what do you and then leave it open because I really like that element of like not having control over everything Thanks so much to Sarah. Thanks to you for listening. Uh, This has been the Bad Vibes Club. You can find out what we're up to at badvibesclub.co.uk. If you want to like and subscribe on iTunes, that'd be very helpful or on any platform that you get your podcasts. Um, We've got loads of events coming up. We're off to Derry next week at the end of October uh, at the CCA for a workshops and some performances and then we start our residency at flat time house from november so we'll be running reading groups and events there uh, until april okay thanks uh tune in next time bye <laughs>